the song is always stuck in my head. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. I'm Grant, you can call him Chip, and today we are talking about episodes 7 through 9 of Stardust Crusaders. Uh, that song has also been getting stuck in my head a lot. <laughs> it's, 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 most songs that end up being in the opening or closing of a JoJo get stuck in my head. I need to get in the habit of checking the the original manga names of all these stand users. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we missed something very important last week. Oh, which, what was it? Captain Dragon is the localized name of Captain Tennille? <laughs> As in the Captain and Tennille. Love yeah. will keep us together, Captain and Tennille. Yeah. Oh, man. Had their own 70s variety show, Captain and Tennille. Yeah. That was a character I just never even considered to, like, look up because I thought, okay, it's just Captain Dragon. That just, because it wasn't as obvious as most of the other names are, I just never thought to check. How does Tennille become Dragon? I don't know. Was it just the same amount of syllables? (laughs) I guess. The lip flaps? I don't know. Wow, that's a funny one. So yes, episode seven, Strength. Somebody needs to buy Dio a fucking lamp. Yeah, it's too dark in here. He keeps... Basically, every time we see what Dio's up to now, he's just always looking at himself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. It's real fucking dark. But this is the first time we get like... Or the second time we get a a good look at one of uh, his lackeys here. the, The tiny little witch lady whose name is Enyaba Enya. It's It's Enya. It's Enya. But they, they're t- they're talking about uh you know what's the they're talking or, about the meaning of life yeah. essentially <laughs> Get, getting what you desire is what Inyaba thinks the meaning of life is Dio wants absolute power but he uh you know, <laughs> linking over to the last thing they were talking about previously they're talking about fear <laughs> again mm-hmm. they, they, these this, two this cold a... contemplative Dio is very strange to me he's changed a lot in the last fifty yeah. years I mean I guess when all you have for a hundred years is just darkness and your own thoughts <laughs> maybe that changes <laughs> you but he got steampunk eyes oh yeah we got a, an extreme zoom up onto his eyes and you can literally see the gears turning in his head <laughs> he got steampunk eyes yeah he's talking about uh there's only one thing that he like fears and that is not the joe stars themselves but the way his destiny is intertwined with the joe stars which is why he wants to kill him so bad it's a very nuanced take yeah, yeah. and and dio's like yeah maybe i should just kill them on my own and enya's like no no don't don't do that if you kill the jojos i will not have a job <laughs> i have to think about niche protection we, here I, we need to stretch this out so i can get paid for longer you are paying me right <laughs> That she just lists off all of the other stand users that are already sent on their way. So they sound pretty nasty. They got they got some of them scary names like Empress and Hanged Man. Watch yeah. out! Watch out! Temperance. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> but yeah, back to the 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 boys. You know, we left them off with being stranded in in the ocean and and being approached by a big a big spooky freighter that immediately looks super haunted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A, a gangway comes down to their little uh, uh, lifeboat, their their rescue boat. Jojo is pretty worried that the boat has no visible sailors. <laughs> yeah. It seems weird. It's pretty weird. But Polnareff is just like, you know what? I don't give a fuck if there's like a thousand stand users on here. This is a boat and I want to be on it. Hell yeah. We'll just, we'll just beat them up if they're here, okay? 
So so they all go one by one until uh, we, we've got uh, Jojo, former Jojo, and the kid. And the kid trusts Joseph way more than she trusts uh, Jotaro. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good, good Good bit. call. Good call. Yeah. Smart, smart cookie. And then she sticks her tongue out at him. Yeah. And also just need to, to remind everybody that Joseph is still wearing his, his great uh, Sailor Man outfit. Mm-hmm. His red and white striped <laughs> sleeveless shirt. Yeah, they're they're all on this boat. Uh, like the crew from the boat they were on previously is still with them too, so they've all gotten up on the freighter as well. The ones that happen to survive, yeah, the uh, in, including the guy who just is wearing a tiny hat perched on top of his hair. Oh, right, that tiny little love hat. that guy. Yeah, yeah. They start searching this freighter. Uh, they get up to the uh, captain's room, and all the instruments are working and fine, but still, just no trace of anybody on this freighter. It, it is a ship-shaped ship, but uh, not a single soul aboard, except an orangutan <laughs> that the yep. kid finds locked in a cage. An orangutan that looks, to me, incredibly like one of the Thundercats. <laughs> yeah. Got a, got a panthro-ass ape over here. This orangutan has, like, people eyes. He's got, like, normal anime people eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's immediately very strange looking. And everyone's just like... Huh. All right. Well, back to looking for people. <laughs> they just leave this orangutan in a cage. So yeah, they they get back out, and some of the other crew members are are checking out like different things on the deck. And <laughs> Joseph looks way up above one of the the sailors here and goes, "Oh fuck! Watch out!" And then a cargo hook goes through that sailor's <laughs> face. Yeah, just out of nowhere. It's super gruesome. It's, it's really real gruesome. bad. Uh, it's it's so bad that, that Jojo covers the kid's eyes as she screams. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, I, you know, from the very first episode, it is established that Jotaro is just a super tough dude. But where did Jotaro get his... Where did he get his, his ability to steel himself against seeing extremely grisly, brutal <laughs> murders? Because, like, That's yeah, life in the 80s, good. baby. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so, huh? <laughs> but yeah, that that dude's fucking impaled through the face. So there's uh, clearly some some uh, mischief afoot. Uh, there there must yeah. be a stand user somewhere around here, although no one can see a stand. It's it's very unusual. So Joseph leaps into leadership and and just starts assuming a, a sort of commander role and putting everybody to work. Yeah. Uh, it's like, don't touch any machinery, don't even look at it, keep your eyes closed, <laughs> all just go chill out in a cabin, stay in one place. They they also send the kid to go stay with the sailors so that she's further away from all the dudes who have t- targets on their heads. Yeah, and anybody here who ain't got a stand, go find a broom closet somewhere and stick in it. Don't don't leave, yeah. don't breathe. <laughs> yeah. So so Kakuin sends out uh, Hierophant Green in order to do a, a thorough inspection, you know, inch by inch of this entire ship. And I love I love the sound effect. It's like little cyber chittering it makes as it slides oh, across yeah. the deck. For for a stand that like the first time you see it when Kakuin's being controlled and stuff, Hierophant Green isn't like a cool stand. <laughs> but then like the further in it's it's a, just a lot of sound design with him, I think, that makes yeah. him sound pretty cool. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. Also, just making him like the reconnaissance stand is neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the the kid goes off to. By the way, they still haven't say, said her name at this point. 
<laughs> you do find out her name, which is just not yet. But she's going to go stay with the other sailors, and she walks through the room that the, the orangutan is hanging out in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thinking about how the crew is super jinxed, and she's better off far, far away from them. You know, fair. Yeah. So she get, she gets close to this orangutan, and he's like rattling the bars, and then <laughs> sticks his hand out from the, between the bars and points and taps on the padlock that's keeping him in. Like, hey, 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 hey. let me out. Come Open on, the cage. come on. Come on. <laughs> and then it gives her an apple. Yeah. And it turns out she is some sort of apple detective because she like Sherlock Holmes the fuck out of this apple. <laughs> the orangutan gives her half of an apple. Yes. That. It, it, she can tell that it's been freshly cut because it because, hasn't oxidized yet. Yeah, it hasn't gotten brown at all. So and she's like, "Wow, this monkey's so smart! It can even smoke! Like, come on, how smart is the monkey really? Like, the science was in yeah. at this point. Come on, monkey truth." Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he he does light his own cigarette and stuff, and then blows the match out, and then reaches underneath some some junk in the corner and pulls out a Playboy. I was expecting maybe a saxophone. He plays a blues solo. <laughs> <laughs> but no it is a playboy as she is stunned and a, a little uh, uh perturbed uh so, somebody comes in and, and shoes her away like come on come on let, let the eight be horny in peace come on yeah leave him alone <laughs> let him smoke and read his playboy <laughs> so so she moves on and uh, uh encounters the showers in in the crew quarters and finally someone is thinking of hygiene yeah, finally. I, I bet Kakuin and Advol are the only ones that don't absolutely reek. <laughs> yeah, both Shotaro and Kakuin, like have already insisted that, like, hey, we're going to keep wearing our school uniforms. But I think the difference here is that Jotaro has been wearing the same school uniform for three weeks. <laughs> Kakuin invented Febreze. He's doing okay. <laughs> yeah. Hierophant Green just smells really nice naturally, so he just rubs that over his clothes and it's mm-hmm, good to mm-hmm. go. <laughs> he- Hierophant Green kind of looks like a CGI uh, uh, deodorant mascot. <laughs> yeah, he he feels like a cousin of like the sh- the Schick Hydrobot or whatever that was. <laughs> now that's a stand, Schick Hydrobot. Hell yes. Oh man, you know some time has passed. The sun is setting, uh, and Kakuin has has called Hierophant Green back, and he says like I I found jack shit. There's nothing on this freighter, <laughs> just an orangutan. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, the, the kid goes to to take a shower. Uh, we get some child butt. I don't shots. need to see child butt. No, we thank don't need the child butt. Like this episode is full of child butt from here on out. There's, there's too much child butt in this. Like, if you want to have like the the you know classic horror movie danger thing of like somebody being vulnerable in the shower while somebody could potentially attack him, fine. But just don't show the child butt. <laughs> Shoulder up silhouettes i don't know or when she gets a towel later have her entirely wrapped in it yeah she puts a towel on a little bit but her ass is fully exposed all the time god damn it she's like 12 it's Fuck so off with it's this. it's so needless it's it really strange is. and why is she drawn like she's 19 from the neck I down no it's I so hate it. weird i hate it it's so weird and bad but yeah as she's taking a shower we see uh the door to the room where all the crewmen were uh slowly just kind of creak open on its own and they're all dead Mm -hmm. blood everywhere yeah i found the problem with your radio it's full of dead guys uh (laughs) i turned a knob they just all shot out of it (laughs) yeah she's taking the shower a a silhouette behind the curtains appears and the the curtains get drawn please let this ape only be thinking of murder please yeah let's come on 
But yeah, the orangutan is there. <laughs> we get the most useless info card ever. Uh, <laughs> Stand user, question mark? We don't even know what we don't know. Like, even the silhouette is a big question mark. Yeah. It's just a placeholder. Yeah, Jotaro has noticed the orangutan is gone, and he's just very suspiciously... <laughs> He's just eyeing the playboy. It will take all of JoJo's mental acuity to determine what an empty cage means. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, the orangutan is going to... I'm going to pretend just murder <laughs> murder the child. Yeah, like we're, we're getting all these slow panning shots to build tension, but that's not the only thing communicated when you are slowly panning over a nude child. Please yeah. stop it. Stop it. But thankfully, Jotaro is here to immediately punch the orangutan square in the fuck, fucking face. <laughs> or, or he doesn't even punch him. He no. fucking clocks him over the head with the, the like, really heavy padlock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and the, the dub line is actually much better than the sub line uh, on this. It's take your lock, you stinking ape. <laughs> oh, man. Because it's incredibly disrespectful and does suggest that JoJo's watch Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Oh, that's good. I, I watched the sub this time around, so I didn't notice that. Both at the same time, baby. You, you got to compare and contrast. <laughs> Even after he is, you know, clocked the this orangutan over the head twice now, it's still good to fight. Uh, it's got it that, that to, ape strength. It's ape strong. It's got ape strength. So yeah, when when he like knocks the orangutan over the second time, like it grabs onto uh, Jotaro's coat, and he thinks this ape is no ordinary ape. <laughs> Uh, and as the, the rank 10 like lifts himself up to go kick him over the head, Jotaro blocks that with Star Platinum. And then a ceiling fan in the room just dislodges from, from the ceiling and just flies at Jotaro and just embeds itself in his shoulder. So now he stops and he thinks a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. You ever have to figure out a mystery while a steel propeller is inches deep in your shoulder? <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> Uh, and he, yeah, he's thinking like, okay, where's the stand? I can't see it. And he reaches to go pull the, the ceiling fan out of his shoulder. And then one of the blades, one of the arms of the fan bends like it's a living arm and slaps his hand away mm-hmm. and then punch and like punches Jotaro th- down a hallway, like down an entire hallway, down the length of this cargo freighter. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly a glancing blow. Uh, as he is flying, the the this monkey is this ape is jumping towards him. Uh, a window by Jotaro just suddenly explodes on its own. There's a really cool thing he does where Star Platinum. Oh, like, it's the in between. best thing in the. I love it. Yeah, as the, all these shards of glass are flying towards him, Star Platinum catches every shard of glass between all, in between all of its fingers, and then uses that as like like glass knuckles to punch. It's so it's, good. It's so cool. It's really cool. But it doesn't work because the ape just sort of fades through a wall and disappears. <laughs> oh man, this is like the first stand fight where it starts to feel more like what most stands in JoJo are, where it's never just like I have a stand that punches good. It's just like what in the fuck is, is this? <laughs> So, so yeah, everybody knows there's a stand. No one knows what the stand is or, or where it is. Or, I mean, we're guessing by now that the ape is the stand user probably, but what is the stand it is using? Yeah. So my thought is, ask the kid. Mm. People who can't use stands cannot see stands. Just like start oh, playing I Spy with the child. And then mm. you'll... <laughs> That's a good idea, actually. But, but meanwhile, the deck has become quicksand. <laughs> 
Yeah, the rest of the crew, all the boys, they're just sinking into the ship. They can't move. And this is when they determine that the entire ship is the stand. <laughs> yep. And that my idea would not work in this case, because this is a special stand that is so big and so powerful that it becomes visible to even those who do not have stands. Yep. Yeah, the, this is the not super common, but frequent enough that there are stands. But it seems like a good idea. Like, I, I, yeah. I'm still proud of myself a little bit. There is... A fight in a later part of JoJo that kind of uses that idea. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, it's a fun fight. So the ape comes back and he's dressed like L. Ron Hubbard for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's got, got a coat and a hat and, and a little curvy pipe. And uh, he, he shows off his synonym dictionary to name his stand strength. And, yes. <laughs> and then a whole lot of other words that also mean strength. <laughs> Intensity. Firmness. Also got a Rubik's Cube, uh, just to prove, like, yes, I am very smart. Oh, yeah, he's super... It's a Rubik's Cube with, like, bananas and apples and other fruits Mm -hmm. on it. But, yeah, Jotaro has been uh, restrained. A whole bunch of metalwork and pipes have phased through the wall and and chained him to to the wall. Him and Star Platinum both. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Now, just as a a tarot note, in some decks, the strength card is called Fortitude, and in others, Mm. Lust. Whoa. Okay. I guess that works for for him. Mm Mm-hmm. I wish it didn't. I wish it didn't. Jotaro's trying to to figure out, because, you know, he... All he's seeing is that a bunch of different parts of the ship and other objects are just being manipulated by the, by this ape. So he's trying to figure out what he can and cannot manipulate. Mm-hmm. And so he, while you know still restrained, he's able to use two of his fingers to just rip one of the buttons off of his school jacket, and he just tosses it at the back of the ape's head. But but during dust. this, the the ape is uh, gloating, bragging, do, mm, doing the right. the evil stand user monologue as his tradition in grunts he's just grunting a lot <laughs> but the narrator luckily can speak ape-ish <laughs> i forgot about that and is translating to the benefit for the benefit of us the audience <laughs> jojo has no idea i mean i'm sure he can guess he's a reasonably bright young boy yeah this is this episode's so dumb Th- this episode is great and awful in equal measure like this yeah <laughs> Whenever I think about early Stardust Crusaders, I always remember this episode and go like, ugh, it's the one where they they do the weird stuff with the little girl. But then I think, oh, but it's the episode with the orangutan who's smart. (laughs) Uh, But it does that gross stuff with the girl. But oh, the orangutan. (laughs) Every time I think about this episode, man. (laughs) Uh, This one should have been called Temperance. That's about balance and shit. Like, come on. (laughs) Mm, mm -hmm. But, But yeah, um... If the entire battlefield is the enemy, he can only rely on what he brought with him, including mm. the buttons and medallions on his uniform. Yeah, he's got so many little rip-offable accessories that potentially <laughs> become bullets. So, uh, uh, knowing that uh, his his uh, enemy, the ape, the ape named Forever, this never comes up in dialogue. Uh, right, I, yeah. Like I said, I, I've made a point to, to look up these stand users. Apparently, uh, th- it is supposed to be a uh, reference to Wu-Tang Forever. 
Huh. Okay. I don't know if that comes from an interview or something. It's, it's not like the concept of forever is exclusive to Wu-Tang. <laughs> yeah. It's been in a lot of music over the years. But I do like that, yeah, of all of the first hip-hop things to appear in JoJo, that album's a pretty good one to go with. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, it takes a little bit before more hip hop stuff starts coming up in the JoJo. So I guess this, yeah, this is the first one, huh? I never, I never realized. Ah, I know what you're thinking. Wu Tang Forever was released in 1997, years after this chapter was written. True, but apparently the ape was nameless until he was used as a character in a video game in 1998. The, the name Forever was then adopted for later retellings like this anime. So this is the first hip hop reference in JoJo's story order, if not the first one Araki put in. Self-correction complete. Yeah, so, so JoJo has flicked this button off his coat bop the the rank 10 in the back of the head and mm -hmm. uh that just really it doesn't hurt him of course but it just really pisses him off and and he baits he baits him into into stretchy into finger it. range essentially <laughs> yeah into stretchy finger range so this is the second and last time i believe we'll be seeing Starfinger. <laughs> um it's used a little better here i guess but yeah he now that the ape is in in star finger range he uses the stretchy fingers to hit the button that the ape is holding in one of his hands and launching it at high speed straight through his brain yeah he gives him the old father sticks <laughs> and, and the orangutan immediately starts like erupting blood from his eyeballs and mm -hmm, writhing mm -hmm. around in pain not dead though this this loss of focus this loss of concentration is all that jojo and star platinum need to break out of their bonds yeah, the ape apparently named Forever uh, uh, sees that the jig is up, and he he tries to uh, um, surrender by showing his belly. And Jojo's like, "I've heard of animals. I know what that means." <laughs> I ain't falling for it. If you want to live like a man, you'll be punished by a, like a man, and that means one thousand deadly punches. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the, the, the ape is dead, which means that the stand is dead. The stand is the boat they're on, so it's time to beat feet and get out of Dodge. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they immediately get back on their own on a lifeboat. They were uh, rescued and... for about three hours. <laughs> yeah. You see the stand itself uh, just, like, disintegrate and, like, crumble and, and shrink in size until it's all that's left over is a, just a really small lifeboat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know if that has to be used to, like, put the stand on to actually turn into a freighter or what. So the, the only survivors are our are merry band of five and their, their child mascot. Every <laughs> yeah. Speedwagon sailor is dead. Between this boat and the previous <laughs> boat, none of them have survived. The, the Speedwagon Foundation researches a ton of stuff. They must be researching stands, especially since, you know, uh, Joseph and, and Avdal mm -hmm. uh, are associated with them. Do people who work for the Speedwagon Foundation know that it's an extremely lethal job? <laughs> they they do think uh, it's a little strange that the only benefit the job doesn't <laughs> offer is life insurance. <laughs> At this point, if, if, if the Speedwagon occupation has not been super dangerous up until this point, getting the news that, hey, two or three dozen of our dies just all died today... <laughs> You think a lot of people might be might be resigning. I should have gotten the Speedwagon Foundation Medical Corps. They're just hanging out in this palatial estate in Japan. 
<laughs> Seems pretty cool. They got their own private library, a tea ceremony room. Uh, yeah. So yeah, they're they are stranded on their boat again. They only have they've got forty six days left now. Everyone's very serious about what this means for their journey. How close they all were to death, except Polnareff, who just wants to share his gum. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> At least yeah. he's not being selfish with the gum. I, I don't know. Uh, so we go back to Dio and Anyaba. She's reporting that like, hey, strength got killed. How but does it's she a- know? I don't know. I mean, she is like a witchy looking figure. Maybe she can do like some divination or fortune telling or, or something. Somebody's out there with a satellite phone reporting back. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. The, the monkey totally ate it, Enya. I'm sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> he, he solved his last Rubik's Cube. But she, she's telling Dio, who's just like reading a book or something, like, hey, there's six more stand users. They're all way more powerful. One of them's even my son. Mm-hmm. And now we see that she has two right hands herself. So her son mm. must be the target of Polnareff's vengeance quest. And, and Dio's just like, lady, you're weird. Why do you work? Why do you work for me? <laughs> and she's just drawn to Dio because he has she can see that he has a very powerful spirit. Mm-hmm. And she likes mm-hmm. that. She just wants to see what he's going to do. Meanwhile, our heroes have arrived in Singapore. Apparently, they rode the whole way. <laughs> and, and we get a, a, our final shot is of a creepy doll. And nothing good is ever going to come from a creepy doll. Oh, yeah. And we'll find out more about that in episode eight, The Devil. <gasps> so, yeah, they, they've made it. They've made it to land. The immediate thing that starts off as episode feels like because you know i I mentioned before that iraqi likes to travel to Mm -hmm. the places he's gonna have in his stories or whatever this thing that happens at the start feels like this either happened to him or a friend or something he's (laughs) like oh i gotta put this in (laughs) and what that is is polnareff uh as as you know our wild card in the group uh he's the funny one uh, he becomes a bit of a litter bug. He's getting a $500 fine from a muscle hunk cop here in Singapore for littering. <laughs> so I looked this up. The current littering fine is $300. Okay. So I, I don't know where they got this figure. Uh, mm. But it reminded me of the American that was sentenced to a caning for vandalism. Oh, I haven't heard of this. This was a, a big thing in the, the early 90s. Uh, it was like the first time an American citizen had been sentenced to a corporal punishment under, mm. uh, you know, what, during international travel somewhere. So it was a big deal. Uh, uh, President Clinton called and got them to bring it down from six strokes to four or something like that. <laughs> what the fuck? It was, it was okay. an international incident because this wow. dude got arrested for vandalism in Singapore. Thank you, Mr. President. Only four canings today. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mr. President. But yeah, the cops are like, hey, dude, you're littering. That's gonna be a fine. And Polnareff looks down, and we get a really cartoony ass like like arrow being drawn from his eyes down to mm-hmm. <laughs> to his luggage, his bag. Oh, is this litter? Hmm. <laughs> just like mocking the cop because it's just his, it's just his shit. So it's just a big misunderstanding, and he literally shoes the cop away. He says, shoo shoo, and makes a little gesture at him. <laughs> In JoJo, if cops aren't being outright malicious, they are just huge dumbasses. <laughs> It's a very realistic show in that way. Uh, <laughs> so, so, yes, uh, uh, as mentioned, the, the child, she was stowing away on, on the first boat to get to Singapore to see her dad. Now we're in Singapore. Hey, kid, where's your dad? Yeah. Apparently, he's not there yet. Uh, he, they aren't supposed to meet up for another five days. So she has license to be spunky. 
<laughs> Yay. So yeah, the whole group is just talk talking like, oh, what should we do with this kid if, you know, her dad isn't going to be here for five days? Like, it's not a great idea to have her with us because we're constantly under threat of being murdered, but <laughs> we can't leave this little girl alone either. Yeah. So, yeah. and I like Joseph telling Polnareff to tell her like, okay, you can come along with us, but in a way that doesn't hurt her pride. And so his, his tack is to say, hey, you're stinking poor, aren't you? <laughs> we'll pay for your room. Come on. Hey, you broke ass little kid. <laughs> well 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 ain't got no money do you whatever come on my newly acquainted grandpa friend is loaded come on <laughs> so so the whole crew splits up into different hotel rooms uh, uh joseph wanted to get a big old multi-room suite but uh it's it's uh tourist season in singapore so that's not available <laughs> Uh, so Joseph and Advol stay pals in their room. There is the, the student room, and that mm -hmm. leaves Polnareff and the kid staying together. No, they refuse. They get yeah. separate rooms. <laughs> uh, uh, no way. <laughs> Six people split up into four rooms. Okay. <laughs> and all on different floors. We, we see uh, as oh, the, right. the hotel clerk passes over the keys, like they're, they're between the ninth and twelfth floors. Uh, Polnareff is very excited to take a shower. He tells everyone else, mm -hmm. please, God, take a shower. <laughs> There's a shot of him just, like, checking out the bathroom, and I don't know if it's an error or if Polnareff is really just that fucking big, but even when he's crouching and leaning in, he's he is just towering <laughs> over the, the threshold of the bathroom. Also, the, the shot of him, like, exploring his hotel room is another CG handicam bit. Yeah, it's like a quick shot, but they they went through the extra effort. It's been a long, long time since uh, one of those has, has come up. But he finds that creepy doll from the previous episode, Stinger, and he yep. knows there is an enemy stand user present. Yeah, he immediately just says, okay, you can come on out. And then his mini fridge opens and a gigantic man somehow <laughs> crawls out of the mini fridge. <laughs> Maxi man mini fridge. How does it work? <laughs> we will never know. He's so big and the fridge is so small. And his name is Soul Sacrifice. That is a hell yeah. of a name. Yeah. Uh, it's it's also the name of a, a song that Santana played at Woodstock. He did have mm -hmm. a pre-smooth career, people. Come on. <laughs> Come on. So, so Polnareff is talking to Soul Sacrifice and Soul Sacrifice is like, how'd you know I was here? And Polnareff just looks at the mini fridge and he's like, you took all of the fucking beer out of it and didn't hide it. It's just all <laughs> over the place. And now I'm going to get charged for that when I check out. God damn it. <laughs> Uh, so, so Soul Sacrifice, uh, he immediately introduces himself and his stand. Uh, it is named for the Devil card, and he keeps, you know, hyping up the tarot meaning of the Devil. Guess what? It's not a nice one. It's, <laughs> it's a pretty bad one to to, to have for you. <laughs> Polnareff responds by just stabbing his eyes out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stabs his, he the uh he, yeah he stabs one of his eyes out. He stabs clean through his tongue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, this guy immediately gets fucked up. Silver Chariot does the stabbing specifically, but <laughs> yeah, still yeah. it's just like instantly. I I just really want to take the shower, guy. Can I kill you now? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. It's a pretty good opening move, plucking out your opponent's eyes and tongue. <laughs> yeah. So so he's screaming in pain. Uh, uh and. 
both his blood and this ominous shadow fall upon the weirdo creepy doll. Ooh. And Soul Sacrifice is just constantly, he like he's smiling the whole time, but he's just stumbling around being a freak, just constantly screaming like, fuck, this hurts. Ah! <laughs> and like backing up, pointing his finger at Pornhub, just repeating like, curse you over and over mm-hmm, mm-hmm. until he falls backwards over the, the balcony railing and he just vanishes. Yeah, there, there's no splat or anything or, or even a guy running away. He's, he's just gone. No trace of him whatsoever. Yeah. If I were a stand user, I would <laughs> never try to kill someone until they described their whole deal. <laughs> and it yeah. wouldn't have to take long. Enemy stand users love to describe their whole deal. <laughs> you don't even have to get them on death's doorstep. They just are really excited to share the information. <laughs> I mean, it, it only seems prudent. Uh, and, and this is when a whole chunk of uh, Polnareff's ankle comes off, like like a meat carving <laughs> station at the OCB. Oh, it's nasty, yeah. It's nasty! Clean, clean through his leather boot, flesh included, <laughs> just falls clean off. So so that's when Polnareff knows that something is up. Like, th- this fight is not over. This guy's out there. He's coming back. Uh, so he, you know, rings up, you know, room-to-room telephone, and Avdol's like, yeah, I know that guy. <laughs> yeah i've heard of him dude you're kind of fucked I've, I've heard of him but nothing good uh he's even seen him before mm-hmm. like just once but he's seen him and everything also there's a new wardrobe tra- change for joseph in the background during this where he's wearing uh a blue and white striped shirt with a uh lovely pink jacket <laughs> over yeah it. yeah that's his singapore <laughs> digs yeah I love that only Joseph has wardrobe changes. <laughs> it, it keeps happening. Uh, Polnareff still has more phone calls to make, like to room service for some bandages. Hey, maybe you could get new lampshades too, or just a general cleaning service. Yeah, he tells room service just like, uh, I hurt my foot. I need some bandages and like just some type of medicine, really, anything. And it's like, if room service comes in, they're going to see a massive amount of blood sprayed all over those lampshades. <laughs> <laughs> how, how does your how do you hurt your ankle and then get the blood to spray over that <laughs> and as and while he's on the phone there's a shot of the spooky evil puppet now being underneath the bed mm. and Polnareff notices it and he he pushes it out from underneath the bed with his foot and he's just kind of looking at it uh while talking to people he picks up the doll he looks at it he just puts it on the nightstand it doesn't do anything <laughs> with the doll <laughs> <laughs> uh so so meanwhile uh in the adult hotel room joseph is just like chilling with a coffee <laughs> <laughs> yeah. while he knows there is a dangerous madman out to kill everyone he's just like man at least let me rest a bit come on yeah like for them knowing that polnareff was already attacked uh but polnareff saying like yeah i'm gonna be up in a minute like, because the plan is everyone's going to get together in one room so that it's harder for this guy to pick them off. Yeah, one by yeah. One. And, and they can strategize. And yeah, like good, good idea. But they're also just like, yeah, let's just casually meet up in like five minutes. OK. <laughs> <laughs> and so because anime time in Jojo is, you know, 10 minutes can be five seconds if it needs to be. No one's in a rush. No. Like, no. Polnareff says he's coming, he's coming. We'll just stay here. We already got our coffee, like... So Avdol gives us the, the lowdown on soul sacrifice. Yeah. He's, he's a hired killer. He works for the mafia and for, for governments and for all sorts of people. When he mentions these clients, there, there are, like, figures in the background that rise up, including literally Don Corleone. <laughs> Wait, really? I never noticed yeah. that. <laughs> oh, shit. That's just the Godfather. 
I never really paid much attention to the the figures appearing behind him. That's that's pretty good. It's pretty funny. But the the way his powers work is he's an he is an assassin powered by vengeance. You hurt him and he kills you. The more you hurt him, the more power his stand has to to multiply and turn back on you fatally. Mm-hmm. So Pulnareff is super fucked. <laughs> yeah, he just made a super powerful stand for himself to fight. And then Abdal says, right now, it's dangerous to leave Polnareff alone. And then Joseph's just like, hmm. Sip my coffee. <laughs> he better get up here soon then. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's not my grandson or even my grandson's friend. We just met this guy. Yeah. You ever notice that ever since we met Polnareff, boats keep sinking? What's up with that? <laughs> Maybe we're better off without him. Maybe he just keeps accidentally poking holes in everything with, with Silver Chariot. <laughs> Who knows? Polnareff needs to, you know, leave to get to this meeting. So he goes to grab his hotel key. And wait, where's my hotel key? Uh-oh. He searches around, finds it under the bed. Not just under the bed, but under the very center of the bed. <laughs> yeah. And once again, if I had a stand, <laughs> yeah. I, I would use it to grab things that fell all the time. I would never bend over again in my life if I had a stand. Yeah, totally, man. Like, even if you got, like, Polnareff and, and Jotaro have, like, short-range stands, but they can still reach further than you can. They're next to you. <laughs> they are next to you. Like, go get that for me, buddy. Come on. Stick your incredibly precise, you know, fencing rapier through the, the hole, through the through the key ring. Yeah. And just bring bring me the key. <laughs> If I had a stand, I would be using it to get stuff from the top shelf at the grocery store all the time. <laughs> all, all the pasta and the, the noodles I want that are always on the top shelf can't reach. Not anymore, man. <laughs> I got it. But this is, of course, a trap. And as he crawls under the bed to get his, his uh, hotel room key, the creepy doll springs to life and uses what's available in any hotel room, the power cables to lamps. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. To to bind him hand and foot, uh, uh, tied to the bed above him, staring straight down into the the carpet uh, with with no leverage, no give. Uh, mm. And then the creepy doll continues to to use what's available in any given hotel room: shampoo and a bone saw. <laughs> you never know where you're gonna need a bone saw. <laughs> like you open the little closet that's got the ironing board in it, and right next to it, the bone saw. So Polnareff gets shampooed the eyes to further blind him, and then the bone saw cuts through the legs of the the uh, bed. So now Polnareff is supporting the weight of the bed. It is crushing down into his ribs, weighing him down mm-hmm. into the floor. This is not going to be the weirdest thing room service has ever walked in on, I promise you. <laughs> Fairly standard, like once a week, probably. <laughs> but as that happens, like, ding dong, room service. A guy comes with like a little package of stuff for Polnareff. Polnareff is freaking out he's screaming at this guy who you know he can't see can't see because he's trapped under the bed so he's just hearing a voice screaming from somewhere in the room get out of here you'll be killed get out get the fuck out of here you're gonna die <laughs> and then uh the puppet lands on top of the dude's head and uh with the bone saw just cleaves his face off of his head it's incredibly gruesome <laughs> it's fucked up yeah and then oh oh it's so good the, the door slams but behind them uh, and the do not disturb placard rattles around <laughs> on the doorknob that, that is a welcome touch of dark comedy i like that yeah it's really good so yeah we got this evil little doll it's got like a really big uh like razor blade now like a uh for for shaving yeah yeah sweeney todd ass straight razor yeah 
you know, kneeling underneath the bed so he can look at Polnareff right from the eyes. And he's this evil doll, this evil puppet is just super, uh, it fucking loves this shit. Oh, yeah. P- Pinocchio ain't fucking around. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, even though Polnareff is pinned underneath his bed, he can still fight because Silver Chariot can still move around. But the thing is, because Polnareff can't really see much of anything, Silver Chariot just kind of is swinging around just wherever. Yeah, he, he's just flailing. Uh, uh, and th- this puppet is fast enough and small enough that you cannot stab wildly and expect to eventually hit it. Yeah. The the doll also has another thing that you can find in just about any hotel room. A small spear? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it is continually stabbing through the bed to get to Polnareff's back. The halfway through the episode, little title card or whatever, showing off the stand and stuff. Uh, so you actually don't see the the actual stand much in this episode, except for quick glances in, in this card. But the actual stand that is possessing the doll kind of looks like a weird like grasshopper bug man, Ooh. sort of. He's got like antennae and stuff. So yeah, the the little girl is like hanging out in her room. Jotaro and Kakyo ain't go to get her. Well, not to go get her, but they're just like, hey, don't leave the room. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's being very leisurely ab- about this this meeting. They, yeah, they really are. I don't think they like Polnareff. I don't think they're friends. I, it's it's like it feels like a combination of things this episode one almost the entire group kind of has a himbo energy to them <laughs> so like they're all a little dumb uh two i don't think they maybe they just don't like polnareff that much yet three they've already killed so many stand users maybe it's feeling routine to them already. <laughs> <laughs> the doll is you know poking the spear through random parts of the bed he's every once in a while he's uh nicking Polnareff in the leg or the arm. Around now, they mention that the bed is 120 kilograms pressing down into Polnareff. Mm -hmm. That's a heavy-ass bed. That is a 265-pound bed. Is this, like, all solid wood, I guess? (laughs) This has to be a really old bed that's fucking heavy. The puppet grabs two wine bottles and smashes them together so that they're all broken and, sh- and sharp. And he's dual wielding those and, and stabbing Silver Chariot in the legs and the arms and stuff with this. This doll is just an evil version of the kid. It's sassy. It's small. Oh, yeah. It loves stabbing. Oh, yeah. It's the kid's evil mirror. <laughs> <laughs> There's a really funny bit where the puppet jumps uh, behind Silver Chariot, bites him on the shoulder, and then... <laughs> After getting a good solid bite on him, his whole, like, his head stays stationary, but his whole body just spins rapidly <laughs> to, like, make the bite worse or so or something. I don't know. It's really mm-hmm. goofy. So so just stabbing blindly, Silver Chariot is smashing up the place. Uh, the mm-hmm. puppet is intentionally smashing up the place. Polnareff's bill is going to be just an arm long. I, I don't know <laughs> if Joseph can cover this. Yeah, I don't know. But after all all these music references, it is in all these rock bands, it is good to finally trash a hotel room. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. All the boys now except for Polnareff are all in one room and they're just like, "Hey, where's Polnareff?" <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. He's kind of running a little late, huh? Wasn't hmm. he being hunted by a, a deadly assassin? <laughs> one of the most hmm. feared stand users of, of which Abdul is aware? Oh. <laughs> oh. Let's give him a couple more minutes. <laughs> It's almost like he doesn't want our help to keep him from oh, dying. What a, what a jerk. What that an Polnareff. ungrateful jerk. Ah, oh, that Frenchman. 
you know, Polnareff's trying out a couple other things that aren't quite working. He tries to throw a bed sheet over the puppet, but the puppet could just bite <laughs> bite through it like the angry little gremlin he is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Silver Chariot, like, smashes uh, the mirror in the room. The glass goes flying everywhere. But in the random strikes he's doing, he's finally able to accidentally cut one of the uh, restraints. So one of his arms is free now. Yes, yes. Uh, this does not make the puppet happy. The, the puppet, in fact, wants to bite <laughs> Polnareff's balls off. The <laughs> yeah. ultimate crossover between mouth violence and ball violence. <laughs> We've reached yeah. synthesis. Yeah. So right before he he says that, he's like smashing and, and stabbing open every container of alcohol there is, spreading the alcohol all over the room. And he like goes completely still and silent for a little bit before his head very rapidly does a 180 and then he just screams i'm gonna put your balls off <laughs> the timing's really funny but but not just uh alcohol any fluids he can uh yeah again just cracking open everything from the mini fridge like he might have been able to avoid those charges before but now the containers are open <laughs> but this doll knows how to fucking party so there's like yeah. literally gin and juice in a giant puddle around polar <laughs> The puppet here says he wishes he could piss so he could piss all over the room, too, mm-hmm, while, mm-hmm. while holding his imaginary puppet hog uh, <laughs> while, do, while doing this and, and, and pelvic thrusting. The P-tape is real. It's right here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, the, the this puppet has jumped up above the bed, holding on to the chain where there used to be like a, a, a ceiling lamp or, or a fan or whatever. And he goes, okay, you're fucking done because I got a short-circuiting hair dryer here. And I'm just going to drop it on the, on the bed and it's going to kill the shit out of you. You're going to be electrocuted, uh, you know, transmitted through all the fluid. I guess there is an implication that, that some of the booze might catch fire, but like, that's not how that works. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but as that this hair dryer is, is falling in slow motion down towards the bed, uh, Silver Chariot's uh, rapier comes out from underneath the bed, through the bed, through the hairdryer, and then th- through the puppet's head. Mm-hmm. Because it is now Polnareff's turn to do an attack that looks like it failed, but actually set up the decisive turnabout blow. <laughs> Yay! When, when all the mirrors got smashed, that was so he could look down in the mirror to see up behind him and mm-hmm. and uh, get eyes on the puppet. Ha-ha-ha-ha. Aha, there you go. So yeah, now that the, you know the puppet's been impaled straight through the head, uh, and he's able to get out from from underneath the bed, and the puppet tries to run away, and he's you know cutting its legs off, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and g- generally just fucking it up real bad. They keep talking about the the biting of balls, uh, right, <laughs> right. Pol- Polnareff shouts, "I dare you, you vulgar little shit!" <laughs> And and so th- this puppet is just getting disassembled, slice by slice, and we see Soul Sacrifice just hanging out in a bathroom somewhere, psychically uh, uh, controlling his stand from a distance, and he does not look so hot. No, yeah, the uh, th- there's a guy, like a, a worker there, like cleaning the bathroom, and he goes, sir, you've been in that stall for a long time, are you okay? And he opens the door. And Soul Sacrifice is fucked up. He is super dead. Mm-hmm, he mm-hmm. he stab marks all o- like not just stab marks, but like the the where he was stabbed and then the rapier was like pulled, so like his skin. It looks like he was torn everywhere. apart and turned inside out dozens yeah. of times in dozens <laughs> yeah, of places. He he looks like a fucked up Junji Ito monster. He is he is just that messed up. And in another case of the the uh, Stardust Crusaders being really bad at uh, uh, trash talk, but really good at killing people. 
<laughs> yeah. Polnareff was like, yeah, oh, you want to bite my balls off? I'll destroy everything but your balls. So the only, like, intact <laughs> part of Soul Sacrifice's body is his pelvis. <laughs> Maybe Polnareff just doesn't want to fuck up people's balls. <laughs> That's rude. Polnareff was portrayed as being honorable and, and chivalrous before, <laughs> so he'll never go after the balls. <laughs> Unlike Jotaro. <laughs> yeah, that's number one, man. Jotaro's a member yeah. of the Black Dragon Fighting Society. He'll go straight for the balls. <laughs> so Polnareff, super bloodied, like visible bite marks all over his body and you know missing chunks of flesh. He shows up at the room to meet up with everyone else. And they're just all like, where the fuck have you been? <laughs> it took you forever to get here. And then Polnareff just like fucking collapses. Uh, uh, so, so then he gets arrested. <laughs> Yeah, yep. I'm not too impressed with Singapore cops because apparently they think this stuffed doll was a real kid that he killed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like when they when they said, what about that boy we found in there? I thought they were talking about the wait staff that got murdered. Okay, maybe. Maybe. Even though he but wasn't that very is a clearly boy. A, that's an adult man. That's a man, but like <laughs> that's a puppet. There's stuffing <laughs> coming out of that thing. That they need a little boy. What kind of sick fuck killed a child, skinned him, stuffed him with cotton batting, <laughs> and then killed him again? This dude's a monster. Yet did nothing to his balls. What the? <laughs> hey. But yeah, so Polnareff's being interrogated by these cops, and he does, does not give a fuck. He's just, like, really impatient, like, man, mm -hmm. when am I getting sprung out of here? And then, you know, right on time, just some dude from the Speedwagon Foundation shows up. They must have a series of lawyers to smooth shit like this over if this mm -hmm, is going to mm -hmm. ha have to be constantly happening in public spaces. How many littering fees does it cost to buy a judge in Singapore? I got to wonder. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah, Polnareff's getting sprung, sprung out from jail. Joseph and Avdal are talking about, like, man... Like, we know that Dio's got stand users after us, but they're getting to us really quick. It must be because, just like with Hermit Purple, Dio's been spying on us with his own abilities. So um, Joseph reveals he has been practicing. He can yeah. uh, uh, use Hermit Purple in new ways, and he goes and grabs the TV to find the Dio channel. Yeah, I like this bit. It's cool. Uh, Hermit Purple, when doing spirit photography with the TV, it rapidly flips between channels in order to grab words from different channels to con construct sentences. I'm very curious how this was done in the manga, because one of the things that it takes clips from is clearly Whoopi Goldberg on The View. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. That did not exist back then. <laughs> I'll have to check the manga to see what, what they use there, but... But uh, eventually, through a lot of, you know, trial and error and, and a lot of like, huh, 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 we, we build a message saying to uh, saying that, like, there's a traitor in their midst and they must beware of Kakyoin. But mm. Kakyoin is such a nice boy. Oh, he's so nice. Maybe too nice? Maybe too nice. Uh, and then our final image is an ominous seaside walk with Jojo, Kakyoin, and the kid uh, just hanging out by the beach. <laughs> Oh, right. Uh, right before that, too, like, you know, after they're able to construct a message from the TV, Dio is also spying on them at the same time. And so they're actually able to see Dio in real time on the TV. And, and Dio talks to Joseph like, hey, I know you're, you're fucking spying on me. And then the TV explodes. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's episode eight. On to episode nine, Yellow Temperance. We get, uh, once again, a previously on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure bumper to, to tell us yeah. about that message again. And then the kid runs to a drink stand staffed by a friend of Sonic the Hedgehog. 
<laughs> oh my god, he really looks like he's from Sonic X. Uh, Jojo orders chilled coconut juice for the crew uh, because it is his turn to do some foodie tourism. Uh, <laughs> try something the locals like. And the kid tries to haggle. <laughs> yeah. She, she thinks they should only pay half price for these coconuts just cuz just because she doesn't want to pay cause. that much. Uh but but <laughs> Kakyoin, her money. But Kakyoin covers the bill. So so that's the end of that. Yeah. Or at least he would. But then his wallet gets snatched by a different friend of Sonic the Hedgehog. What <laughs> <laughs> one who looks like he's been living rough for a few years. Uh Yeah. It's been a long time since the Dreamcast days. He has not aged well. <laughs> So yeah, Kakyoin sends up Hierophant Green to grab this guy who just snatched his wallet uh, and trips him. And when Kakyoin catches up to this guy, he's got like a real weird look on his face. Mm-hmm, like a, mm-hmm. uh, He's way more pissed. He looks kind of crazy. His eyes like are a, in deep black shadow for, for several flashes. And he starts beating the shit out of this dude. Grabs him by the hair, you know, kicks him or knees him in the face. And then he picks him up, puts him over his shoulders and starts doing like a backbreaker wrestling move on him. And Kakyoin, uh, completely unlike himself, has developed a serious case of the potty mouth. Oh, yeah. He's swearing all the time. He, he calls this guy. He says that this guy is worth about as much as a sewer cockroach's dick. <laughs> Meanwhile, the little girl's just really impressed. Like, she's scared, but also impressed by the extremely good backbreaker. She knows her wrestling holds. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But Jojo is a little disturbed. He has to protect his persona in in the boy band system. (laughs) Yeah. There's only room for one bad boy around here. Hey, moving out of my turf. So, so he gets Kakyoin to drop the guy, and they're having a conversation. And you, you realize that this wallet snatcher is still quivering on the ground for minutes at a time. He needs serious help. Yeah. Uh, Kakyoin's just like, hey, that guy was a dick ho- dickhead who like stole my wallet and stuff. He deserves to get beaten up, right, Jojo? And then he starts sipping from his coconut juice. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And Jojo's not so sure. Jojo's very upset at, at his friend's sudden uh, uh, change in, in behavior and outlook, but they are distracted mm-hmm. by kids. You know what they say? Kids love the Beatles. Uh, all, all four <laughs> of them. Kids can't get enough of the Beatles. <laughs> there, there are four rhinoceros beetles just hanging out on a tree, and a bunch of children are like, hey, cool pugs. Cool. Look at them eat that sap. All right. I love it. And, and Gakyoin is just going like, hey, you know, Jojo, sometimes you can just get in a bad mood. You got to beat up a guy and do a backbreaker on him, right? It's no big deal. It's no big deal. It's no big deal. Jojo's real suspicious of this, but he's just like, fucking, let's just go. We got to go soon. Come on. And as, uh, you know, Jojo's already walking away, uh, the little girl girl goes to leave too, but she looks back behind her to see what Kakyoin's doing because she hears a weird noise mm-hmm. and Kakyoin is much closer to the tree with the, the beetles on them now and he is very clearly snacking on the beetles <laughs> he is chowing down in these things I just need the narrator to pop in and tell me all the ways people cook rhinoceros beetles in Singapore <laughs> <laughs> she tries to convince herself that you know he, he must have been, I don't know, maybe it was coconut fiber or something. He couldn't just be eating these beetles, could he? And there, there's something just wrong about Kakyoin's face, and it's hard to put your <laughs> yeah. finger on it. Like, maybe his mouth is too wide or something. Yeah, he, he's very slightly just different and weird looking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when, when she's saying, like, that's just got to be a coconut fiber, right? He, like, just spits out an entire beetle leg. <laughs> going like, that was just coconut, right? And... With a really bizarre looking face, he just goes, yeah, I love coconuts. And then he grows slightly larger. <laughs> he just expands a little bit. 
so so we're all headed to this cable car to get to a train because no tr- mode of transit will be left unused in this journey. <laughs> uh, Can't wait for the hot air balloon episode. It's going to be great. Oh, uh, yeah. But on the way, they've gotten more snacks. <laughs> Yay, they got ice cream they got now. ice cream on the way. I, you know, I like that Jojo is like a big tough boy, but he will absolutely eat some ice cream. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like he will have his sweets. He likes them. <laughs> and then, then they, they do the thing. They they do a a, a famous thing, a gift thing. Yeah. The people love this thing. Yep, this, this is one of the real first like iconic Jojo moments that that get re- gets referenced a lot from from this part. But yeah, uh, Kakyoin goes up to Jojo. Who's, he hasn't even touched his ice cream yet, but there's a little cherry on top of it. And he goes, hey, can I have that cherry? And as JoJo's like, yeah, you can have it. Kakyoi just fucking shoves JoJo so he falls over a railing and mm-hmm. almost dies. <laughs> the kid saves JoJo's life. Yeah, she grabs onto him here. Uh, and Kakyoi's just like, oops, my bad. I'm just kidding. No hard feelings. It's just a joke. Mm-hmm. And so he picks up the cherry off the floor, pops it in his mouth, and just like juggles. He, he does cherry juggling with his tongue. In the English dub, he's just saying lick, 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 yeah, lick, 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 over and over. it's very good. I love it. I think it's... The Japanese dub is slightly funnier because he's not really saying lick. He's just saying like a, a sound effect. It's it's like, I guess it's supposed to be like roll, but it's like re ro re ro But it's, he's saying it really fucking fast in the Japanese <laughs> dub. It's really funny. But yeah, he's just like juggling it with his tongue and licking it a whole bunch. And yeah, oops, it drops on the floor. And then he picks it back up and he eats the, the cherry and then... And then grows gets... three inches. <laughs> He grows like th- three inches. So so Jojo's back up on this balcony. He's got his feet beneath him and then punches Kakyoin's damn jaw off. Yeah, he doesn't even use Star Platinum here. He just punches him with his own fist. And <laughs> just punches his jaw. Like it, Kakyoin's jaw is just hanging by a thread, basically. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Jotaro has, has decided that Kakyoin must be possessed or something. Because he's just pissing him off a bunch. He, like, punches him into the cable car. Yeah. Because he was, right before punching, was just like, hey, you get in that cable car and you just fucking leave. We don't want you around anymore. Mm-hmm. Kakyoin gets back up, says, like, yeah, fucking dumb now, Kakyoin. Haven't you noticed I'm huge now? And, like, once he's st- <laughs> standing up, he's, like, a foot and a half taller than Jojo. He is, yeah, like, yeah. nine feet tall. And then his face splits open. <laughs> yep. Because <laughs> what what we've been calling Kakyoin is not Kakyoin. It is a stand user who is enveloped by a gelatinous yellow stand, uh, which is a, a shapeshifter in its own right and has taken the form of Kakyoin. Mm-hmm. So the man inside, the stand user inside, looks like if a pillar man were a hero. There's something about his yes. face that is very pillar man-y to me. <laughs> yeah. And this, is, this guy is just like, just a tall buff dude, completely shirtless. Not even a mullet, like, he's got a lot of hair in the back. More than just a, what would classify as a mullet. He's got very lovely eyelashes. He's a pretty man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he uh, introduces this gelatinous stand which envelops him, Yellow Temperance. Uh, temperance is the 14th card of the Major Arcana. Uh, it represents economy, moderation, frugality, management, and accommodation. And mm. I don't think this one's a very good fit, honestly. Yeah, nah. However, the Temperance card art is always uh, uh, a woman pouring, you know, water from one vessel to another. And I think that fits because this mm. is a fluid stand. Yeah, that works at least. But yeah, Jojo goes to just like punch the guy really hard. Yeah. But that, that doesn't work because uh, so the first time Jojo punched 
punched him when he was still disguised as a cocky uh, A little bit of the stand, like the the Jello stand, uh, mm-hmm. separated from itself. And just Jojo, you got to stop punching stands. It goes yeah. bad for you every time. They're very sticky. It. They're very yeah. sticky sometimes. There's, there's just a little glob of this this yellow jello stuck to his finger, and it's slowly like eating away at his flesh because this stand can eat stuff. And mm-hmm. whenever it eats stuff, it gets more powerful, which is why you know he was eating the bugs, he was eating the cherry, and he grows bigger every time. It is a hungry stand. <laughs> so JoJo and the, the stand user are in a cable car going away. The kid rushes to a payphone to call Joseph and try to explain what's happening. <laughs> and I wonder, is that how I sound on this podcast? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Because <laughs> it's yeah, making could, no sense to anybody. Mr. Kakio's face split apart in half, and it wasn't Mr. Kakio in the... Uh, his jaw fell off. Uh-oh. So th- this is especially confusing to Joseph because the real Kakuin has, has uh, entered Joseph's uh, hotel room, and they're like, where you been? And he's like... I've been uh, uh, sunbathing. With your uniform on? Yes, of course. <laughs> That's how you and know it's, it's the real one. Yeah, because he's just, he's so much of a good boy, he won't take the outfit off. Tell me something only the real Kakuin would know. Uh, how about instead of that, I show you my tan lines? Yeah, that's the real guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, so Jojo is, at this point, just trying to figure out how to get the glob of stand on his finger off. So he just jumps out of the cable car onto like it, the one of the like big support pillars in between the two mm-hmm, sets of cable mm-hmm. cars. He, he needs to get some distance between himself and Yellow Temperance. Yeah, he uh, he pulls out a lighter. He tries to burn the, the goop off, but that just makes it, uh, it, it explode multiplies. and expand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just grows more over his hand. He sees another cable car go by that's got a little kid inside uh, eating like a ice pop. So he's like, mm, I need to cool it. So he just jumps onto the cable car, tears the door off, goes, hey, kid, give me that. Everybody in the gondola seems real chill about this. Surprisingly cool with these events. The, the little kid is far more upset about this this man suddenly taking away his, his, his icicle, his popsicle. But the lady in there doesn't care. The dog in there doesn't care. The kid's dad doesn't he's care. He's asleep. <laughs> yeah. He's asleep. He slept through that door being ripped off. <laughs> but yeah, Jotaro go, rubs the popsicle all over it, but that just makes the goop grow spikes that burrow into his hand de- even deeper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now he begins to consider cutting his own finger off. Like Yeah. And then the, the lady in this car goes like, hey man, I already said that my stand has no weaknesses. And this lady is just yellow temperance. Mm-hmm, Again, mm-hmm. it's just the guy describes a different lady. But uh oh, the her her <laughs> legs uh oh her legs are like not fully formed right now. They're turning into the the yellow temperance goop again. But the leg the goop is all over the dog. Uh-huh. That, <laughs> it's all over the dog. The dog named Pocky and the little they, kid's dad they had suddenly to name the dog. They named the dog immediately, named Pocky, <laughs> and the, the kid's dad is awake. He's like, uh-oh, what's this? What's this goop all over my dog? Hey, dog, get out of there. And he yanks on the, the leash uh-huh. to get the dog out of there, but the dog is stuck in the goop, and so he just tears his dog's head off. <laughs> uh- Let's pour one out for Pocky. <laughs> Dissolved by a stand in the shape of a rude lady who was squeezing her own chest a second ago. <laughs> yep. 
it's it's been a little bit since the dog death, but this marks oh my God. and the this dog is the worst one up. so far. This is the worst one. Like yeah, okay, okay uh, uh, manga uh, Danny sure yeah. might be even worse, but the worst animated dog death because <laughs> the, the dog just... looks terrified. <laughs> it's really scared, and then it gets decapitated by its own owner trying to save it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's horrifying. It's it's really fucked up. Yeah. So Jojo rips off uh, one of those like handrails off the ceiling to just go trying to hit him without, you know, punching him himself. So he's got a little bit of distance, but the goop just grabs that pipe. It crushes it. Mm-hmm. it just does not does not work out. At Yellow all. Temperance is both defense and offense. The legacy of Dyer lives on. Oh, yeah. There, there's a part here where, you know, he's telling Jojo like, hey, man, I, this is like the 15th time I've told you my stand has no weaknesses. Do you understand? <laughs> <laughs> this bit's a little funnier in the Japanese version because they say in English, "Do you understand? <laughs> Do you understand?" Uh, and it's it's pretty funny. But now he he the the goop has expanded even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, you know, it ate the dog, most of the dog at least, and all this stuff. The goop just makes me think of Winnie the Pooh getting all up in his honey. Oh yeah, it looks like that. It's very yeah. yellow. It's very shiny. <laughs> So the goop is all over the the cable car now. It's like almost completely enveloped Jojo. So we reach a moment in in JoJo's character journey that I've been waiting for since we met him. He begins mm-hmm. to claim the legacy of the Joe Stars. He, he even calls himself a Joe Star rather than a Cujo. Fuck you, Dad. Yeah, he corrects himself. He says, you know, there's a a, a way of fighting in the Cujo. No, the Joe Star family. <laughs> there's a way of fighting in the Cujo family. We hit each other with clarinets. <laughs> Uh, so, so yeah, the, the, the prodigal Jojo has returned as, as we're seeing, like, much like with the, the mafia man in the previous episode, but, but now it's, uh, uh, Jonathan and young Joseph in, in Jojo's mind as he's talking about, uh, a special move, uh, to be unleashed while we're seeing young Joseph in the corner, you know exactly what that special move is going to be. It's time to run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he just punches a hole in the cable card. He just falls falls through it along with the yellow temperance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Into the water below. And like as they're falling, like this guy is just like, I don't care. You're going to die. My goop's all over you. <laughs> Doesn't matter if we're in water. But yeah, as they fall in water, that gives jo- uh, Jotaro the chance to just put him in a fucking chokehold and just... <laughs> and just strangle him so he drowns mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that that's able that uh you know he starts to drown so he has to that causes him to lose focus and he his stand like turns off yeah he, uh, he has that, to uncover his face so he can breathe so yeah. the, so the face is the big glowing weak point for for star platinum to come in and fuck him up this episode has had a lot of jotaro himself doing the fighting part like once like this guy is exposed he just uses star platinum to hold the guy and then he punches him in the jaw himself yeah yeah (laughs) he's also building up a habit of punching out the user and not going for the stand i mean it's a good it's the same thing as like fighting a mech just kill the pilot Mm -hmm. (laughs) sometimes that's way easier uh it turns out this pretty boy's got no nerve once once his nose is broke some of his teeth are gone he keeps complaining that they're gonna have to wire his jaw shut he, he's ready to to give up all the dirt he has he, he he's just going like oh geez don't hit me i'm just a little guy i'm just, I'm you just want, a you, birthday boy you, you wouldn't hit a birthday boy would you oh geez i'm wearing glasses now you wouldn't hit a guy wearing glasses oh boy I don't, oh, know, don't no, hit me again i'll tell you anything i don't know anything but i'll tell you everything he sure knows a yeah. lot for a guy who said he didn't know anything 
<laughs> yeah. So so we're basically done with dramatic irony now after Joseph puts the squeeze uh, after uh JoJo puts the squeeze on him for a bit. Uh JoJo now knows things that used to be audience only. <laughs> yeah, he gets the the names of all the uh stand users coming after them still. He tells JoJo, "Oh, and Yaba's son is among the the stand users coming up. He's a man with two right hands." Hey, I heard that <laughs> That's the guy Polnareff's looking for. Hmm. Yeah, and yeah. he doesn't he doesn't know how anybody's stands really work, though, because they all keep it secret from each other because the element of surprise is like the biggest advantage you can have as a stand user. Mm-hmm. But he does say, I've heard that uh, that guy uses a mirror with his stand. But Polnareff's pretty good with mirrors. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. But as this guy is saying all this stuff, he notices that uh, Jotaro is near a, a great that has a whole bunch of crawfish yeah yeah hanging out on it uh also somewhere around here we get an interstitial of yellow temperance uh i think it's slightly after this but i'm going to talk about it now uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that gives the stand user's name as rubber soul so yeah yeah it really was a beatles thing he he ate the beatles and there there were four of them (laughs) and his name is rubber soul so there there you go there you go it's good yeah, he goes like, hey, Jojo, look at those crawfish over there. Isn't that great? And Jojo actually fucking looks. Mm-hmm. And that g- gave Rubber Soul enough time to send his goopy stand through a manhole cover nearby so that it would erupt out of the manhole, co- out of the grate uh, that it leads to. Mm-hmm. And now he, he is goopified Jojo again. He, he is trapped yet again. So so Jojo has a way out of this, of course. Uh, he, he's already won. Rubber Soul just doesn't know it yet. He summons Star Platinum to do a big punch into the grate, which sends just a powerful jet of water up through the manhole cover, and he just flies away Team Rocket style. <laughs> yeah. Rubber Soul lands back in the water again, and he just immediately goes back to, Oh, gee, you would hurt your birthday boy, would you? Like, again, immediately. I'm so sorry, like, come on. Uh, 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 to wire my jaw shut, come on. Please don't, pu- please don't punch me. And he's like, I could tell you more stuff. And Jojo's just like, I know you don't have any other shit to tell me. I'm just like, I don't want to talk anymore. And then, yeah, he, this time we start playing him. Just, just a thousand punches straight to the dude's face. All of his teeth are flying out of his, his fucking face. Uh, and that's the end of him. That's the end of him. So we debrief in the dining car. We, we've made it onto our, our train uh, out west. And everybody just catches up, everybody on things. And it basically ends like an 80s show. You know, we get, we get a little bow yes. on events. We talk about, oh, it, didn't the kid come with us? Well, of course not. She's waiting for a dad. You think she really had a dad? I thought she was lying. Maybe we'll never know. <laughs> uh, and, and then a little gag referencing the action, like every good 80s action comedy, you know, buddy cop show. Uh, mm-hmm. where, where real Kakuin also grabs a cherry and, and does the, the lick, 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 lick. Yeah. Oh, you. <laughs> when when Jojo sees Kakuin do that, he just like gets like just really pissed off, but he just stays <laughs> quiet. And, but uh, the kid actually is on the train uh, uh, in, in a nearby little nook of the same car, in fact. And as she dreams, she mutters Jojo's name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was one thing earlier that Rubber Soul said. He also gave the name of the the man with two right hands. Uh, his name is Centerfold. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Centerfold, who who has a a stand uh, based on the Hanged Man. Mm-hmm. But yeah, with that reveal of of the girl, which who who gets named once by Joseph this episode, her name is Anne. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, with that revealed and you know just being in the same car, just off in a little corner. Uh, that is the episode of, of episode nine. Mm-hmm. At this point, now that the crew is assembled, like we, we've talked mm-hmm. about how uh, parts two and parts three started with a lot of confidence, and like mm-hmm. now I think we've moved to comfortable. <laughs> Yes, yeah. We, we, we have uh, a few tropes in play. We have a, a cast that we can bounce off one another. And, and, and we, we have a, a structure. We have a format. We get to a new place. We explore it. Danger comes. Great big weird stand fight. Uh, and, and we all take turns who, who is going to help uh, uh, save the day. And then we end with a little comic note, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Pulling the ref collapsing because everybody thought he... he because nobody realized he was in a fight for his life. Ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this, out of out of any JoJo part, this is the one that is, like, I, I would describe the show as being cozy, almost. Like, this is a show <laughs> where if you, like, a year or two ago, Twitch uh, streamed all of JoJo. Just mm-hmm. a big marathon over the course of, like, a week or two. And there were some times, like, late at night where I was, like, in bed or something, but, you know, I wasn't. It wasn't quite time to go to sleep or something where it's just like, hey, let's just pop up a random episode of JoJo when part three was happening. It's like you could basically see almost any episode of that show, you know, just out of order mm-hmm. and still be happy watching that 22 minutes or whatever because it's, <laughs> they're mostly self-contained. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just a really it's it's a good show to fall asleep to <laughs> like after you've seen it once before. It feels like watching Adult Swim late at night or something. That show. <laughs> Yeah, like at, th- at this point, this is where everything like really solidifies. Basically, everybody but Joseph has gotten like a big fight to show off with. Yeah, yeah. And Joseph's kind of a special case because he's not really like a fighting guy anymore. <laughs> he he blew up that TV real good. He did blow up the TV pretty. Good. TV didn't know what hit it. Starting with next episode is when we start getting into the bigger fights because a lot of the stands from now on are no longer one episode affairs. Mm-hmm. From here on out, most stands are two parters. Ooh, yeah. We might have to mix up our our format a little bit to make some things fit better. But yeah, there will be some parts where it's like we might get cliffhangered if we just do the normal three episodes. I don't know. We'll see. I guess it depends how the episodes land, but. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah i also think that these fights are the first three where the stands really get into what jojo stands are more like in that it's not just it's not like a pale blue moon or whatever where it's just like my guy's a water guy i don't know <laughs> he does water stuff fish things fish things yeah now it's like ah i'm a guy who has to get owned to make my stand stronger via like vengeance or you know i'm a guy who shapeshifts and you know it's they, they're all a little more interesting than just fish stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have too much else to say about these three. I, I just like them. <laughs> yeah, they're fun episodes. Yeah, they're fun. That will bring us to the end then. Uh, thank you all for joining us uh, uh, as, as we make our way further and further west, uh, approaching Egypt more every day. Mm-hmm. This week, I'd like to recommend people check out Six Feet Under. It is an actual play uh, uh, tabletop podcast that I and a large number of other people contribute to. Uh, uh, I am the GM of the, the ongoing Mouse Guard campaign that is nearing its end. We, we are uploading now its penultimate season, and all of my work is in planning uh, the, the final episodes. And like, oh, I'm so excited for 
it's coming together so well. I'm, I'm so That's proud. Exciting. Yes. Um, it's been going on for a long time. Yes. Too, like. Yes. Yes, it has. Uh, <laughs> you, you, so you might want to try something with a, a little less of a backlog to catch up on, like, say, the, the Monster Hearts 2 miniseries. Uh, Devious Vacuum ran that one. She did a fantastic job. I think it's one of the it's one of my favorite things I've made of all of the things <laughs> I've made. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that one was really really fun. Or also, you know, the the other uh, uh, campaigns on their uh, past or present, like uh, the Fellowship game or the uh, Demon Blight game, uh, uh, which I love for the the world building. Uh, Poor Weather is the DM for that one, and she is done amazing things as she always does <laughs> but you can find all those things uh, uh with helpful you know listening guides and and cast pages at sixfeetsunder.com s-i-x-f-e-a-t-s-u-n-d-e-r.com check it out it's it's a lot of stuff like you're, it's, it's if, you're, if you've been needing if you've been needing like a new thing to have for a while like it's a lot mm-hmm. it's a lot of content and it's a lot of a lot of kinds of stuff actually yeah it's a big variety too. Mm-hmm. But as for this show, I'd like to uh, thank people for, for listening, for commenting, for sharing. If you enjoyed this episode or any of the previous ones, I guess, uh, please tell somebody about it. Uh, that, that is how we, we grow and multiply and, mm-hmm. and share. Uh, I'd like to thank the people who have left uh, uh, our first few reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts. Uh, we are now getting to the point where the show is up and live while we record. Yeah. <laughs> that's only been true for a few weeks, which might surprise mm-hmm. people. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> tomorrow the fourth episode is going up. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big backlog we got. But yeah, if, if you're listening to this on YouTube, because I know a decent amount of, of people listen to it there. Yeah, we are on uh, SoundCloud and, and yeah, also now Apple Podcasts for all your podcatchers. And, and uh, RSS feed is available if you want it. Also, also uh, those podcast feeds get scrubbed by a lot of uh, get scraped by a lot of apps. So your your favorite podcast app quite probably has us on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if not, let us know. We'll we'll get that taken care of for you. Yeah, for some reason I thought SoundCloud would just have like an RSS feed button there, like websites used to have. <laughs> But that just—it's not the thing anymore, I guess. Uh, you, you can find it. You can find it as the person who owns the feed. You can find it really yeah. easily, and there are tools for others to go and find it. But yeah, yeah, because I was just like, "There's got to be a public button for that, right?" But I no. don't think there's a public button anymore. There, there isn't, and it's that's just like fucking what? <laughs> but okay, if you really need it, just ask us on Twitter or something. We will yeah, yeah, personally get it. <laughs> so we will see you next time. All right, see you later. To be continued.